So we're about in the middle of this series, Christian Atheists, where we've been looking into the fruit of the Spirit so we can also produce the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we've defined in each message, I don't know if Earl did it last week, uh, but each message I've defined what a Christian atheist is in case you're coming into this fresh. Christian atheist is someone who goes to church, claims to be a Christian, but does not produce or have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, which basically means it's someone who believes in God, but lives like he doesn't exist. And what that means is that they're not producing that fruit of the Spirit. There, there's places in Scripture where uh, Jesus will talk about how we will be known by our love. And if we're not loving, then people aren't going to know us by our love. They're not going to know us as Christians, and they're going to have this weird, distorted view of what Christians are really supposed to look like. And this is why we're doing this series, is because as we're reaching out, as we're going in outreach, uh, in, even into Harvest Days, we're getting into this big outreach event, we need to make sure that we're producing good fruit for the people to see. And so far, we've worked through love, joy, and peace. Last week with Earl Eversall, uh, he told me that he preached on sodomy. And then I told him that, you know, you're supposed to preach on patience. And so he, he was like, I, I actually did preach on patience. I don't know, because we didn't have any live services. It wasn't recorded. So he could be lying to me. I'm just assuming that he's telling me the truth and that we actually, or he actually spoke on patience. So today, in, um, in full trust of Earl that we've spoken on, we've covered patience in here, we're going to move on to kindness. And, and that's the next one in these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29, says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. If you would pray with me, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you, to worship you together as a church family. Lord, I just pray that you speak through me as you always do and you always know how. Lord, open up our hearts to receive this message that you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if I were to take an ice cube, right? We're going to do a little science, science lesson for you. I didn't bring any props with me. I'm sorry. Uh, but if I were to take an ice cube and put it in a cup and set that cup in direct sun, sunlight, do you know what would happen? It would melt and then it would eventually evaporate because it's indirect sunlight, right? Now, what if I took that same ice cube, put it in the same exact cup, but then put it in the freezer? Well, what's actually going to happen is the water vapor that was surrounding the cup and in the cup is going to freeze. So it's going to look like there's more ice in there. That's why when you put a beverage into the freezer, the, the cup or the container starts to freeze on the outside. So there's going to be a little bit more ice, but it's not going to evaporate. It's not going to melt, right? Any, anyone remembering elementary science class when, we, when you learned this for the first time? So then what would also happen if I took that same cup and that same ice cube and put it in the same cup and then set it on the counter in a, a very low-lit area and set it there? What would happen? Well, the ice would melt, 
but it wouldn't evaporate unless I started boiling the water or unless I put it in the heat of the sun. It would just sit there. Now, all of that was just free for you in case you forgot. I know that was, I did so much research for that so that you could have that information. Now, remember it because it's going to be important later in the message. But when we think about kindness, we often think about people doing nice things for each other. As simple as holding the door or paying for someone's gas, paying it forward at the drive-thru line, assuming that they didn't buy the whole menu, right? Um, have, have you ever went through the drive-thru line and been like, what did they order? <laughs> right? Okay, it was just one coffee. I'll pay it forward, <laughs> right? But then if they're like, well, they ordered for their whole family, maybe next time. <laughs> but, you know, paying it forward in the drive-thru line, encouraging each other with kind words, and speaking of kindness, this church has shown so much kindness to Chloe and I during this time. I just like a little plug for you guys. Um, you, you've shown so much kindness with all the gifts, with all the food. It's been excellent and delicious at the same time. Uh, we really, really do appreciate that. But moving back to the sermon. If in your life you've probably been challenged at some point by a pastor, by a friend, by a family member to just do random acts of kindness, all right, anyone ever, I know you're Baptist, raise your hand, help me out. Have you ever had that challenge or tried that challenge? Just random acts of kindness, right? We've got a few of you that are willing to raise your hand in church. So if you have these, uh, I've done this before, just random acts of kindness, just randomly thought comes into my head, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to do something kind for someone else. And, and it's a great challenge, but there's a problem that we tend to have with it is one, is that when it's random, it's not intentional. And two, we're just naturally not kind in the biblical sense. We're, we're not very kind biblically. World, worldly type of kindness, we're, we're excellent at that, but when it comes to biblical type of kindness, we're not so great because we're not natural. Because we are fallen people. We are fallen people. We've fallen short of the glory of God, which means that we have fallen short of the standard of kindness that God has for us. And we enjoy being kind when we know that the other person's going to appreciate it, which maybe is why you guys are so kind to me and Chloe, because we're very appreciative people, I think, I hope, right? Uh, if you didn't get your thank you card, the mail lost it. That, that's what I'm going to say. It's USPS's fault. Anyways, but we don't like being kind when we know that it's not going to be appreciated, we, we struggle to be kind when we know that we're being or even feel that we're being taken advantage of, right? When you have that one person that just seems to always take advantage of you, it's really hard to continue to be kind to them, isn't it? Right? But biblically speaking, that kindness would continue to flow out of you. That even though you know and feel and, and see that they're taking advantage of you, that kindness still comes. Now, there are boundaries, and we'll talk about that next week with goodness, but for right now, just know that biblical kindness means continuing to pour out kindness to people even when they don't give it back to you. Because in Luke chapter 6, verse 30, Jesus will say, Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. So what kindness is, is, is giving but not expecting anything in return. And that's our problem that we have with it. We like to get things back. We like to feel appreciated. Sometimes we, we just, we, we do these random acts of kindness so that we can feel appreciated, so that we can feel important, so that we can feel valued. 
But the reality is that biblical kindness is meant to be given and not received. Now, when it is received, we, we welcome it, but it's not meant to be given so that we get something back. But this version of kindness that always gives and never receives in our culture today is considered naive, weak, and gullible. And the reason for that is because if you know that someone's taking advantage of your kindness, the world would say, stop being kind to them. Let them know what they're missing out on. Let them appreciate you for what you're doing. If we're all being honest, though, if you take away that kindness, they're going to look for someone else. All right? They're not coming back to you. They're going to look for someone else who's going to be willing to pour some kindness into them. But with kindness, we, we often, uh, in our world, they'll say, well, then just stop being kind to them. They don't deserve it. They don't need it. They're obviously taking advantage of you. And it's confusing for people in the world to see our love level and, and standard of kindness because they're like, why do you keep giving if you know that they're not going to give anything back? Well, can I just tell you something real quick uh, for all the Christians in the room? What if God didn't do or did that to you? What if God looked at you and said, you know what? I've give, I've gave, I've gave, I gave you my only son. And since I gave you my only son, you've taken him for granted. I'm going to stop giving. None of us would be here, by the way. We would all be gone. We would all be living in hell right now because we, we give that kindness because God has given it to us. He continues to pour out his kindness through his son, Jesus Christ, every single day of our lives. And because of that, it pours out of us. We are to demonstrate that type of kindness and love too. And this type of kindness, it's not easy. It takes a lot of strength, it takes a lot of courage, and it takes a lot of compassion. Kindness, in its simplest form, and its simplest definition, is the mercy and grace of God. It's the mercy and grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 says, In order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Titus 3, 4 through 6, But when kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Luke 6, 35 says, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. God constantly offers us mercy and grace every single day. And he offers mercy and grace throughout the whole Old Testament. If you just read through the Old Testament and you see how bad all of the Israelites were, how ungrateful they were for what God was giving them, right? Just open up the story of Exodus and look at, see how God was providing all of the food that they would need every single day. And the people complained they were ungrateful because it didn't taste good. That ne never mind that they were being fed in the wilderness with no food source whatsoever, no water source whatsoever. It didn't taste good because they got used to the kindness of God. And so often we get so used to the kindness of God that we too become ungrateful. 
God expresses his kindness through his son, Jesus Christ. And I just wonder how different our world would look like if God was only kind to the ones who were grateful for him. What if God was only kind to those who were grateful for what God's done? Like truly, genuinely grateful. Not just saying, hell, I'm grateful and... You know, I, I thank God every day for my life. I thank God for all the good things and, you know, all the bad things. That's Satan's fault, but all the good things I, I thank God for. But what if, what if God said, I'm going to stop giving my kindness to people who are ungrateful? Would any of us even be here? Author and pastor J.C. Ryle said this, Kindness is a grace that we can all understand. Kindness is a grace that we can all understand. Giving someone the coat off your back, that's a grace that anyone can understand. That's a kindness that anyone can understand. Paying for someone's meal is a grace that anyone can understand. And, and what these small acts of kindness do and big acts of kindness do is that they reflect the kindness that God has towards us. That while we were still sinners, while we were still ungrateful, while we were still rebellious in our sinful ways, God demonstrated his love and kindness towards us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. See, kindness has no limits and it has no end in sight and it's unconditional. But honestly, if you've been in church for a while, you know all of that. And for some of you, I might've already lost you in this message simply because you're like, I'm already kind. I already know what kindness is. I've experienced the kindness of God. I, I am kind to other people. I, I've, I've known it. I've heard messages about it. I know that I'm supposed to do small acts of kindness. You know, Logan, it's great. I love that you're here. I'm going to encourage you later and give you some kind words to show that I was kind of paying attention to your message today, but I lost you. And I would argue that you and I are not as kind as we truly think that we are. We're, we're not as kind as we think that we are. Yes, out of pure love at times, we do give. And we give and we give and we give. And we don't expect anything in return, but we continue to give. There are times where we're like that. But we're also, there's also times where we're just not nice to people whether it's because of the emotions of the moment, the heat of the moment, or just simply because we don't like to be kind to people who don't appreciate us. We don't like to be kind to people that are gonna take advantage of us or that we feel will take advantage of us. And to give you an example, if you've ever driven uh, through, I, I mean, it's in Henderson, it's in Evansville, but like homeless people, or at least those who are sitting on the street acting like they're homeless, Right? You, you drive through, and they might be asking for food. They might be asking for money. I don't suggest giving them money, but I don't think that's a, that's a wise way to use it. But, you know, if they're asking for food for their family, a small act of kindness is buying some food for them, either at McDonald's or at the grocery store or wherever, giving it to them. But oftentimes, we will pass up that opportunity simply because we don't know if they're actually trying to take advantage of us. Because we've seen the stories, we've seen the videos, we've heard about different people who, who walk around at different places and they sit on the street 
because they, they don't want to be, they don't want to have a job, they, they're just lazy people, and they, they take advantage of the kindness of people. And because we've heard those stories, we, we automatically assume that they might not appreciate it. They might act like it, but they might not actually appreciate it, or they might be taking advantage of me. And, and I worked really hard for my money. I worked really hard for my possessions. I worked really hard to make sure that I had groceries in, in my home, and, and I don't want to be taken advantage of. Right? There's moments like that. There's also moments where if you continue to, to buy someone's meal every time that you go out, and then you stop paying for that meal, what happens? Why aren't you paying for that meal? Right? They, they immediately become ungrateful, and they'll say that you're not being kind. Here's a good example that I think we all can relate to. And these people that we don't even know, they're like companies. Have you ever been offered a discount like regularly from a company? And you continue to get that discount and then they change it. So like maybe if you're a rewards member somewhere, you get 10% off at, at whatever store or thing that you're buying and then they bump it down to 5%. Doesn't it make you feel like you've been cheated? You're like... Well, what happened to the 10%? I'll give you an example. Um, I'm a refreshing rewards member at Thornton's gas stations. I have been for a very long time, ever since I started driving. And I get three cents off per gallon every single time that I go to the gas station. It makes me not want to pay full price anymore. So that when I go to other gas stations, I'm like, oh, if I would have went to Thornton's, I would have got three, percent, or three cents off. But every, uh, they started doing this thing a while back where every weekend... For a limited amount of time, you could get 10 cents off a gallon. So what did I do? I started going back on the weekends. I started getting gas on the weekends. I would hold it off all week, but then when Friday would hit, I'd be like, 10 cents off, I'm going to the gas station. I'm going to fill up my tank. I remember one time, I remember this very particularly because I got so mad about it. I, I, it was Friday. I hadn't filled up. I needed to fill up. I drove all the way to Thornton's. I checked my app, and it wasn't in there. And I was like, where's my reward for being a loyal member? I don't pay anything for this membership. <laughs> where's my reward? Why don't I get 10 cents off? So then I was mad that I was paying three cents off instead of 10 cents off. And it's because I got so used to the kindness of the company. Sometimes it happens with people. They, they constantly want to take things from you. And they, they might genuinely need it. But after a while, if you stop giving it, then they'll feel ungrateful. And then you're, you're just like, what? what do you want me to do? I can't continue to support you. I can't continue to do this. We do nice things because it makes us feel good. And if the other person feels good, it, it's kind of an added bonus. But sometimes we even treat people the way that we think that they deserve to be treated. And if anyone in here is kind in every single situation, every single moment of your life, then you don't need to work on kindness. And you can get up and walk out because like this sermon's not for you. But for the rest of us in the room, there are moments that you expect something in return. Even if it's like subconsciously, you're, you're just wanting that appreciation. And, and a good signal for this is when you do something nice and they don't give you anything back and you get mad at them. They might not even know that you're mad at them, but you get a little bit mad at them because you're like, they could have at least said thank you. They could have at least sent a thank you card. USBS's fault. 
right? But not Amber. Yeah, Amber, Amber does her job. <laughs> no. um, but we need to work on kindness. So how do we produce kindness in our lives? Well, the obvious thing and the simple thing is actually the hardest thing for us to do. And it's to repent of our sinful ways. It's to repent of our sinful ways. And if you're ever in a place that you don't feel like you're very sinful or, very sin or it's sinful at all, I, I would encourage you to pray what uh, King David prayed in the Psalms in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You start praying that prayer regularly, I promise you from experience, God is going to wreck your soul. He's going to let you know exactly what you're doing wrong. And then you're going to be left wondering, why did I even start praying that prayer? I felt so good before, now I feel terrible. A New Testament scholar uh, once said this, God's purpose in his kindness is not to excuse sin, but to stimulate repentance. This is also reflected in Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 4, by the way, where it says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness causes a reaction within us so that we repent of our sinful ways. We feel his kindness, and as a response to feeling his kindness, we want to give that kindness back to other people because it's so much kindness that we can't contain it anymore. And when we extend that same kindness from God to others, then it can spark the same reaction in them as it did for us. And this is what it means to be the church, is that when we're going out and being the church, not just gathering here, but going out to be the church, it sparks reactions in our communities to be more kind, to be more like God. Because when people are kind to you, you kind of have that natural tendency to be like, well, I want to be kind to someone else. Because I, I feel so grateful that they bought my meal. I feel so grateful that they bought my gas. And, and I was going to pay for the gas anyway, so I'll just pay for someone else's. I'll pay for someone else's and, and I'll, I, I want to be kind to someone else because it, it it makes us feel balanced, doesn't it? To be kind to someone when someone's been kind to you. It's a lot like that ice cube that I mentioned at the beginning. You remember what happens to ice when you put it in the different environments? See, the cup represents your life. It's your life. It contains very many things about you, but the ice cube represents things preventing you from being fully kind. It's the things that prevent you from living out and producing the fruit of the Spirit. And if you leave this cup of ice in the freezer, if you just embrace your sin, if you embrace this is just who I am, you'll begin to be bitter. And as the water vapor around the cup and attached to the cup starts to freeze, it will show your true colors to everyone else. And this world will say, well, he's just being himself. She's just, excuse me, she's just being herself. That's how they are. They come off a little bit rude. They don't mean it, but they're, they're pretty rude. They're, they're pretty sharp. They don't mean anything by it. It's just how they talk. And with the ice cube and the freezer, when we do that, when we embrace the coldness of our sin, 
And we're like, you know, this is just who I am. This is, this is how I'm going to live my life. I can't overcome this temptation. I can't overcome this sin. So right now what I'm going to do is I'm just going to embrace it. What happens is that people start to see that. So these people who are left in the freezer, they, they're, they're going to be sharp with their tone. They're going to use, abuse, and manipulate people to get what they want out of them. They're often the people that will take kindness but not give it back. They'll be easily offended, but they're often rude to others. And then there's those who live on the countertop at room temperature. And this is honestly where most of us live, somewhere on the countertop. The ice is melted, so we're not as cold towards others. We, we have more kindness within us, but we like the countertop because it kind of flows well. It feels really comfortable. It's room temperature. But with the water still in the cup, we allow our emotions to flow through our veins. We allow our emotions to be disrupted by any bump, by any movement of the cup of our life. So it's easier to be kind when everything is peaceful, when the water inside of us, when the sinfulness inside of us is peaceful. But once life hits us, once life disturbs us and even just knocks us just a little bit, it causes ripples. And those ripples can uh, very quickly become waves of emotion to where you start to just be sharp and unkind and rude towards people in the heat of the moment. And if you've ever done that, when the water settles and life settles down, you feel guilty, you feel ashamed for the words that you said or the way that you treated people. But when you change your environment to get direct sunlight, not just an hour on Sunday, but every single day, things start to change. You see, this reaction happens inside of you. Just as it does with water, it starts to melt the ice, but then it also starts to evaporate, which means all of the molecules are getting farther and farther apart. And this reaction that happens inside of you is when your sin begins to evaporate with the direct communication that you have with God. Jesus takes each sinful way, breaks them apart one by one, and sends them up into forgiveness. And the sinful self evaporates and leaves your life to where the longer that you're in the sunlight, the more of your sinfulness will leave. A guy by the name of Albert said this, constant kindness can accomplish much. As the sun makes ice melt, Kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. That's where I got this illustration from. It was simply because of this fact that if you ever, I know water doesn't have feelings and emotions, but if you think about water and how it's literally being torn apart, molecule by molecule, to make water vapor. Do you think that it's going to be comfortable for us to not only be in the heat of the sun or under the pot of a boiling, uh, being boiled, but then for pieces of our life to be ripped from us? Pieces of our life that we, we find and identify with that are sinful, that are just ripped away from us. It's very hard to like walk through. Because in order to be in direct sunlight, you have to allow God to actually work in your life. 
and take away all of the malicious things, all the evil things about you. And when you do, th- do that, you have to walk through that. You have to go through that process. And that's what makes it so hard for repentance because we, we like to repent, we like to ask for forgiveness, we like to receive forgiveness, but we don't like to actually walk through repentance. We love, we love to say, God, forgive me, but we hate to say, I'm gonna repent of my ways. I'm gonna actually try to make this right. I'm gonna actually try and change things. See, true biblical kindness can only come from God. And it starts with you humbling yourself and cultivating an environment that allows you to flourish in your relationship with God. And that environment is given to you by the Holy Spirit, but you have to want it. If you don't want it, he's not gonna give it to you. You have to want it. And then you also need to give it to others. See, being the church means being a safe place for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors to know that you will always give them unconditional and unlimited kindness and love. There's an anonymous author that wrote this, and I love this quote. Kindness is love in work clothes. So go into the world, do intentional acts of kindness. Don't just make it all random. Intentionally be kind to those that you love and those that you hate. Or, you know, since hate's such a strong word, intentionally do acts of kindness towards those that you love and those that you love to hate, that you love to dislike. Be intentionally kind to those who are ungrateful just as much as you are kind to those who are grateful. Go put on your work clothes of love and be kind to someone each day this week. 